0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Best Pictures podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this episode, as you may have noticed, we are not doing Silence of the Lambs. And while I would like to say it's mostly because we watched Dances with Wolves and wanted to watch like a good Western from uh, the 80s slash early 90s, it's really just so that Maggie can avoid Silence of the Lambs.
1: You know, that's what people might think is that this is clearly just an avoidance tactic to delay the inevitable. And they would be right. Um, But also I do have a lot of travel coming up and I do want to be able to give our canon episodes the attention that they deserve. Also, I'm in the process of scheduling somebody to watch that movie with me.
0: <laughs> I'm going to call bullshit on the the deserve part, but that's fine. So anyway, we're doing Silverado since I haven't said that yet.
1: <laughs> yes, um, Silverado is a 1985 American Western. It is actually my all-time favorite Western because it is pure fun and it's just a love letter to all of the cliches and tropes of the genre. Well, Let me rephrase that is a love letter to all of the good cliches and tropes of the genre. It leaves behind the bad ones, takes the good ones, executes them to perfection and in some ways subverts them. So this is just going to be an episode of me explaining why this this movie is incredible and one of the best Westerns ever. And I don't think it gets enough attention.
0: I'd agree with that. But after you mentioned that wonderful background on Dances with Wolves, how which was the Western that kind of ruined Westerns? but, anyway, I'm not surprised it didn't do well, given that that was kind of the mood of the time. Um I think it did make it budget back at the box office though, so it there's did. That.
1: it made it it made a profit and what I was reading was that actually the like previews for the film w- went like so incredibly well, and they got like such great response from those that they actually moved up release and like pushed it out before really developing the marketing campaign around it. So that may have really hurt it because it is an absolute all-star cast, uh, both main and supporting. So for our main cast, we have Kevin Klein, Scott Glenn, Danny Glover, Kevin Costner, and this would be his breakout role. And I think we'll definitely probably compare his performance in this versus Dances with Wolves a little bit.
0: Can I just say what happened in Dances with Wolves with him? Because he was amazing in this one.
1: He's a great comedic actor. And this really shines a light on that in like Dances with Wolves. Like that's not a comedic character. And frankly, I believe mine and your favorite parts of his performance in Dances with Wolves are there those like teeny tiny comedic moments that he pulls off really well. Um, Supporting cast, uh, you have uh, Brian Dennehy, Rosanna Arquette, John Cleese, Jeff Goldblum, Lynn Whitfield, and Linda Hunt.
0: Oh, I love Linda Hunt so much. She, she's like one of those she's people so that I would not have expected to see in this movie. But just, it's perfect. She's perfect.
1: Oh, uh, like, like, again, star-studied cast. Um, it was produced and directed and co-written by Lawrence Kasdan, who co-wrote several Star Wars films, including Empire Strikes Back, the best one, and Return of the Jedi. He also co-wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, which once you know that you're like, oh, I so, I so see it.
0: Totally like, agree. Just that and that's fun
1: adventure vibe.
0: And the pace of it all, like it's the amount of stuff that happens in a two hour film is insane. But the thing is, I never feel like I am missing something. Like I'm along for the entire ride. And I'm also on the edge of my seat the entire time. So it it's just a beautifully captivating like western and a testament to the pacing honestly
1: i will say there is one storyline that i think we could have cut more of and you can tell that there was more there that they cut for time
0: was that the thing with Emmett and the love
1: triangle with
0: um, oh yeah
1: and what's what's her name i had a note about like wait
0: Did I miss something here? Because why are you going back to say goodbye? (laughs) But anyway. You can
1: tell there was more there and then it got cut for time. And I think they should have just completely removed it. But that's my only complaint
0: about the movie at all. And it's minor.
1: Yeah, it's very minor. Um, Kasdan is very much known for kind of like taking these uh, very tropey genres and then just infusing them with fun and delight and like pulling off kind of like this refreshing modern tribute to them. Um, If you haven't listened to our Raiders of the Lost Ark episode, definitely go listen to it uh, with special guest Mike from the CinemaS podcast. Like we very much go into like what a great throwback it is to the adventure genre, but that it still is such a solid movie and doesn't ever like wink at the camera, but takes it seriously, which I think is also why Silverado works so well.
0: For sure. And I I think even in the beginning, I was thinking, oh, wow, there are some moments here that could have devolved into pure camp, which honestly, I love a good campy movie, but I don't know how it manages to take itself seriously, but not take itself seriously. So it's like, it's not a try hard movie, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Even though it's
0: so heavy on these tropes.
1: Well, and Kasdan and his brother, Mark, who co-wrote the script, were both huge Western fans. And Kasdan specifically cited the Magnificent Seven, the 1960s version. Um, I was about to say the original, but of course, Magnificent Seven is a remake of uh, Seven Samurai. One day we'll cover that. But anyway, (laughs) if you are familiar with that movie it is very apparent um, what the influences are where you kind of have like your group coming together to defend and save this town uh they all have kind of their own little stories and threads Um, other than just like cast and directing there are also other really big names associated with this movie so uh cinematography is by john bailey who is the current president of the academy of motion picture arts and sciences um, and was a cinematographer on Ordinary People.
0: Ugh. And that, so the subject matter, like by itself, is awe-inspiring. But the way that he is able to capture these huge Western New Mexico scenes with the beautiful blue sky. And it's just like, ah, there's so much that goes into this just being Gorgeous. Now, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say like every single frame in this movie is art, but so much of it is just so pretty. Exactly. Like,
1: I yeah, oh. I you can't you can't have a western with bad cinematography. Like, it's just not allowed. I mean, even well, even Dances with Wolves, which like we weren't like super engaged in story wise cinematography though. It was still good. Stunning. Yeah. Um, the score.
0: Which uh, uh, which wasn't bum, the score bum, nominated bum, 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 for the Oscars? Bum, 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 bum.
1: Yes, it was nominated. I uh, goodness it what beat it. Uh in
0: 58 85 85 58. <laughs> 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 wow, just let me take 20 years off. Um I wish I did, but no.
1: Out of Africa.
0: Ah, uh, Good score, but I
1: think I give it to Silverado for score, but I mean I am also super biased.
0: I don't know it's uh, I could see how in the moment you would be like oh it's another Western it's a Western score but it's an impeccable Western score like yes I don't know
1: it is it is one of the great Western scores it's so good it's just oh, it makes your heart swell it's perfect it comes in at all the right moments they slow it down at the right times
0: well and it's almost always there I've found which is
1: but when they drop it out
0: yeah exactly
1: it's beautiful, but score by Bruce Broughton, who also did Tombstone, another very famous Western, Rescuers Down Under,
0: oh, <laughs> which I thought was fun,
1: and then he did a lot of other like TV Westerns, interesting. So very, very familiar staple of mm-hmm. the genre.
0: Well, and one thing that I do love about his soundtrack too is he he borrowed some musical cues from like Aaron Copland and some of these really heavy hitting like American classical composers. So it was like this is. Just so beautifully curated and thought through.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, It was shot, you already mentioned, mostly on location in New Mexico. They actually completely built the town of Silverado. Nice. Reviews at the time uh, were mostly positive. There were some criticisms, although the people who were criticizing it, they were like, "Uh, it's just all of these Western cliches strung together. And I was like, yeah, I know. That's why I love it. (laughs) What are you talking about? It's all of the great Western cliches strung together. And again, leave the bad, take the good and execute it to perfection.
0: And that that's kind of what I realized probably two thirds of the way through this, where this is, I wouldn't call it necessarily a unique story. Cause the whole sure. like setup and things, it's just a very classic Western setup where everybody has some like driving score that they need to settle. Um, and of course, good triumphs over evil, but
1: And it's very clear who's good, who's bad for mm-hmm. most of it.
0: But again, execution just is it it's sort of like in do you, actually I don't know this. Have you ever watched Great British Bake Off? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. You know how the like simply but simple but perfectly executed dish wins?
1: Yes. Oh of <laughs> this course This
0: is a perfect example of that.
1: I do think like this is a western that I like to show people who don't who who say they don't like Westerns because it is so fun. And all of the positive reviews I was reading from the time, like that's what they were saying, is they were like, this movie is so much fun and there's such good energy to it. And I was like, yeah, that's that's why you love it. That's why I love it. Yeah, same. So it was nominated for best original score, as we mentioned, Lost Out of Africa. It was also nominated for best sound. Which, oh, I mean, there's so many gunfights,
0: just the McCormick, like siege scene, like sound editing doing the most. <laughs> there,
1: there are so many fights in this movie and they are all different. They are all choreographed to perfection, shot great. And each of our four main characters, like has a very distinctive, like fight style. And we get a sense of their personality in the way they fight.
0: Yeah. And you know what I just realized? It, did it get any, like, editing no- nods? Because I'm kind of mad about that if it didn't. No,
1: I kind of am, too. I, there mm. are some very specific points I want to talk about when we get there with the editing. And they use editing for jokes a lot of the time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um,
1: which is really good. It was edited by Carol Littleton. Uh, last bit of background. So it was nominated for AFI's top film scores. But it didn't make that list. Excuse you. Um and it was nominated for AFI's they did 10 top 10 for the western genre and again excuse you
0: I just this this poor movie is just such I think a... it
1: slept on.
0: Yeah. I think so many people
1: <laughs> sleep on this movie. I have met I have met one other person who like knew and loved this movie that was a person I did not show the movie to. Ooh.
0: Yeah, that's telling. One.
1: I I just I think it slept on, so we're just we're gonna do um, the movie community service today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So shall we get into it?
1: God, let's get into it. Let's talk about this perfect opening to a western. The
0: drama of it all, (laughs) just the cinematography
1: of it all.
0: I mean, well, yeah, it just adds up to this uh, super engaging and captivating scene at the very beginning where you have. Emmett all of a sudden in this shack. We don't know who he is. We just know this person is under siege in this shack somewhere.
1: Yeah. It's in the whole gunfight, we're in the shack with Emmett. So we just see like the shadows of the people through the boards. We hear the guy on the roof. And it's so it's so well done. Um it's it tells you immediately what kind of movie you are in for. You're mm-hmm. in for action packed, beautiful movie. There is no score yet. It is all footsteps and gunshots. And Emmett wins.
0: Of course Emmett wins. He's a really good shot.
1: <laughs> oh, they're all, they're all really good shots. Um we have our first little like musical sting that kind of comes in. Um and then you have Emmett opening the door and we have him framed in the doorway in our classic searchers illusion shot. And you can just see the expanse of New Mexico out the door. he comes out of frame, walks off to the side. you just have the landscape and then the main theme kicks mm-hmm. in
0: and the title ah, oh, it's so pretty. I also want to say in this scene, there is that little bit of nod to kind of the fantastical western sort of th- gun slinging stuff that goes on with the shot on the the flipping rifle as he like kind of kicks it to grab it. And that was where I was like, okay. This might go camp and I'm here for it. And now I have seen it before we I I watched it for this. You know how bad I am about remembering like specifics about movies, even when I've seen them the same day. (laughs) Uh, But those are the little touches and like the it comes out in the first five minutes that okay, we know, like you said, what we're in for.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. Um. We have the introduction. He has the pinto horse that has like the mysterious brand on it. He doesn't know who these people are. Roll credits. We get a lot of beautiful scenery. So pretty. I have in all caps a note that just says this is how a Western should start. Yeah. I want action immediately.
0: And not only action, but also now we have a horse with mysterious brand that Emmett was attacked by so now we have like immediate motivation to be like okay he needs to figure out who the fuck decided to just ambush him at his shack while he was minding his own damn business so like it's immediate interest in what he wants to do and gives him a reason to actually go through all those beautiful shots and all of a sudden run across who we discover is Payden that's Payden with a P like Papa by the way (laughs)
1: P-A-D-E-N um they spell it later uh the first words spoken in this movie because there have been no words exchanged up until now um but it's paid whispering pleased to meet you
0: uh yes kevin
1: klein so incredibly good in this
0: for sure and that's really where um because he has been laying kind of in this desert scene, it's clear that he is parched and sunburnt and just like potentially going to die. So like the way he croaks it out. Yeah, that too. But his, his, performance from the start is is so great and i'm sorry listers for the gushing that this entire episode is going to be but really if you haven't seen it go watch it like now and yeah. then come back and listen to us gush. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's uh, no uh, and then we have the campfire scene where we get a bit of Peyton's backstory um where he's saying, you know, i was riding with these guys uh he has that great quote that's like um I figure you should go through life as if everyone was your friend or no one was. It doesn't make much of a difference. Uh, dialogue is so good in this. It's very, like, Western cliche, but uh, I love it. I love it.
0: I'm really okay with it. It's it's the same.
1: Because it's well done.
0: Exactly. And it's, it's sort of the same satisfaction that I get out of some of Aaron Sorkin's writing, where it's like, you'll get these characters giving these almost superhuman speeches, but I don't really care. It's satisfying. <laughs> so... It's same sort of thing here, and everything sounds so profound in that like Western trope sense where it's like, oh, let's go out on the frontier and learn something new and deep about life. So it's it's great.
1: But we also get here, uh Hayden's just bad luck, I guess, and I love the,
0: the luck through line. Like,
1: in luck. Oh, it's so good, and it's they don't overdo it. Yeah. But like it's so good, and it gives you such a good sense of like him as a character. We also get a little bit more from Emmett. We learn that he is uh, traveling. He's going to meet up with his younger brother, and then they're going to go visit their sister. And then like they're headed off to California. Um, And he kind of explains like he was ambushed and stuff. So we get our our first little little duo meeting.
0: Mm-hmm. and they end with that wonderful line about where's the pinto going because yeah, like where of you course had it's going it's great um so they end up in the town where the pinto is going <laughs> um again editing doing the most there because you you cut immediately to the to this place yeah. it's it's honestly it's like a little reminded... trading
1: post i think yeah it's not it's not even really like a town
0: but the editing did it it's funny you said raiders of the lost ark because some of those same the feeling around those cuts is very similar to what you see in a lot of the Indiana Jones original trilogy. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just great fun and you immediately get some comedic relief around. Um, Pain's
1: well, it's like it a long mix.
0: Yeah. And it, cause of course they took all of his stuff, but the, the juxtaposition between kind of the serious recognition of somebody with his horse, like he sees the person who stole his horse
1: Yes, well, and previously he had been talking around the campfire. He'd been like, yeah, I don't really care about the other stuff, but man, I miss that horse. Yeah. And that whole, like, I don't care about anything else, but man, I miss the so-and-so kind of becomes, like, a little recurring bit oh, with him. so good. Emmett has loaned him money. I think here's some something that I want to talk about character-wise, because I think in some ways the character of Emmett is a little bit similar to the character of John Dunbar in Dances with Wolves, but we get a much better set because they're kind of quiet You know, they're your good guy, uh, principled kind of person. But we get a better sense of Emmett's character and what really drives him, what he cares about. And it's not told to us via voiceover. It is Tortured
0: voiceover at that.
1: (laughs) It is shown through his actions. He rescued Peyton. Doesn't know this guy, loans him money for clothes like, later, um, when, will because we'll get into this a little bit more because I want to talk about the shots in it, but um, there's a fight at a bar, Emmett's ready to back Payton up immediately. Yeah, And, like, so we fully understand through his actions, like, what kind of person he is. And yeah. I just, I think that's just a beautiful example of, like, show, don't tell as far as, like, character development.
0: For sure. Like, very... And Scott
1: Glenn's good at just being, like, quietly intense.
0: Yeah. And it, it's, like, Definitely a character that has a strong sense of um, morality, right and wrong, and keeping, well, not keeping, but helping good people, or or people in general, kind of like,
1: yeah, that's,
0: that's the thing, I guess, helping people that are not bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a Western black and white morality in this. So it's easy for for us to say that
1: with him. I think I think Peyton hits a little bit more gray area. Cause he's pretty selfish, a lot of it. Payton? Payton, yeah. He's not gonna help Emmett bring Jake out of jail initially, even though well, Emmett was like so ready to back him up. And then there's some other stuff. We'll get we'll get more into it, because I, I do think the character of Payton is exceptionally well written. Yeah and well acted.
0: Yeah, I'll bring that point up when we're there. But we get some comedic relief where Peyton's trying to like get a gun and has this like really old decrepit falling apart revolver that he ultimately gets. But get a little bit of action with the the horse stealer riding toward him and Peyton makes the shot
1: we see how cool he is under pressure mm-hmm. there's the, there's the gag where the guy shoots him and it shoots through, yeah, through the crotch of his long and he johns like, <laughs> and he like looks down like the fuck <laughs> uh, but he is able to get that gun together and uh get his horse
0: back yeah but one of my favorite character introductions is Cobb in this scene because of course the sheriff is suspicious of Payden shooting a random dude with a random horse um reasonable but, yeah it's like very reasonable to be suspicious but Cobb shows up out of nowhere
1: well the guy is, is like how can you prove that this is your horse and Peyton's like my name is scratched into the saddle and the guy says and what's that and you just hear a voice go Payton P-A-D-E-N enter Cobb one of the best villains
0: oh yes oh, yes he's
1: so good and um it's uh Brian Dennehy I think mm-hmm Yeah, who plays him? Where is where is this man's best supporting actor? Right, (laughs) he's so good. It's
0: perfect tone the whole time because we do get like a little bit of like I get undertones of sliminess here, but he is so jovial.
1: It's it's like a weird charisma.
0: But there is
1: a sinister underpinning that you get. And part of the reason you clue that is because of Kevin Klein's reaction Mm -hmm. to him and like seeing him.
0: Not excited to see him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we get the where's the dog, which will come back. Oh, yeah. Um, We get hints that Peyton used to run with a rougher crew because Cobb's like they're letting Tyree out. Don't you want to come say hey? Mm,
0: No. But the, the way they even shot the introduction of Cobb, they shot him from below which i thought was such a great touch because he seems so looming and bad when you have him shot that way so it's it's just all adding up to this you know sinister character so i'm here for it
1: um he like i said we get the introduction of tyree who's kind of like Cobb's right here man does not like and Hayden. so
0: well cast those crazy yeah. eyes like oh. those like
1: crazy bright blue eyes And his introduction is good, too, because we see the shackles first, Mm -hmm. and then we see him as they release him. He also asks Payden, where's the dog? Um, And then that's when Cobb is just like, hey, if you're running through the town of Silverado, like, I might have a job for you. I got a sweet setup. I'm legit now.
0: Okay, but if you were legit and still use your, quote, legit to do non-legit things, you're not legit.
1: It's the great social commentary that we will get to
0: arrive
1: <laughs> in Silverado. Because most of this movie is actually journey to the titular town of Silverado.
0: Yeah, which I honestly kind of love. It's like a good example of in all movies, like I'm generally... There's somewhere I think going in blind and not knowing what happens is really important. Like Cabin in the Woods is a good example of that, in my opinion. Um, But for me, most of the time, it's about how you get to that ending. And so I think this is like a, a could arguably be a commentary on that, where it's like, it's not about Silverado. It's about the friendships about you make people. along the way. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Well, it's so important that we see them come to coming together as a group first, because then when they get to Silverado, they kind of break up again. And it gives a reason for them to come together because like they have these really strong ties. They've seen stuff together. They know they can trust one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really what like this journey is, is it's like us getting to know these characters and then also giving them reasons to trust each other later. Um, We enter the town where John Cleese is the sheriff and we get our introduction to Mal.
0: Yes. Now, before we get to that, I do want to point out that trope that you mentioned about, I really do miss that. It's his hat because he doesn't have no, his hat No, that happens in Turley. End. That
1: happens in Turley. Yes. Because that's why he gets locked up with Jake. They hit the town of Turley, which is where Emmett is supposed it's to. Yes. No, it's not. It is absolutely not. Because he has already told Emmett that he's not going to help him spring Jake out of jail. And then Emmett is immediately ready to back him up in the saloon. Yes, I have it as a note.
0: Yes, it's where he found his hat. It is not where he said that line. Oh,
1: (laughs) fuck you. Fuck you. No. Because he says that right before
0: they ride off to Turley.
1: Yes, I thought you were talking about the scene where he finds that. No,
0: where he makes that fun line about really missed that hat. (laughs) And he talks about having trained it for three years. Well, you talked about it with the horse, not the hat.
1: Yeah, he has that really ugly hat.
0: (laughs) It is a really ugly hat. It is a really ugly hat. But writing into Turley, love how they set up the kind of, like, ominous, like, there's the gallows there that are brand new. Why are they building it?
1: Yeah, I think this is where we see the settlers for the first time. Yes. Peyton makes eyes at Rosanna Arquette. I don't remember her character's name. I'm just going to call her Rosanna
0: Hannah?
1: Pretty sure. It's Rosanna Arquette. Um, Yeah, Hannah. (laughs) We get a little bit of comedy with our Hugh Baxter.
0: Ugh. Yeah, Baxter and Holly. Nope.
1: Are you Holly? No, I'm not Baxter. <laughs> or I'm not Holly. Whatever. Um,
0: but Baxter and Holly are slimy as hell. Like, oh my gosh.
1: Well, and you have that important point where the settlers like pay them and he doesn't count it. And they're like, well, don't you want to count it? He goes, no, nah, I trust suspicious. you. Suspicious. both Emma and Peyton being like, hang on a second yeah, here. Yeah, so suspicious. Yeah. Um, so setting up that little thread. I love that all the side characters are so memorable. Mm-hmm. They're so over the top, but they're wonderfully memorable.
0: And again, over the top, but not camp. So I like, I love it.
1: I think that's the key to handling the large cast, right? Where you have a lot of side characters that are moving through. Like you give your complexity to your main characters and then just like make your side characters weird and memorable. (laughs) I like it a lot. Very Dickensian.
0: So yeah, to finally get to Mal's introduction, like you were trying to get into before I interrupted you. um... (laughs) Thank you.
1: it's so good oh Danny Glover is so good just
0: perfect so he is trying to get a drink in a bed at this one saloon he
1: hasn't had a drink of whiskey or slept in a bed for 10 days and can you tell I've watched this movie uh, yeah many many
0: many times but it's it's okay it's a good movie it's worth it um but you can tell that the the barmaid there is like kind of nervous about this but it's going through with it and and you just have uh
1: where's the the shot of whiskey
0: Yes. Well, it gives him the whole bottle because I think he bought it. But you just have, um, Payden and Emmett just watching casually from a table as this all goes down. Proprietor is obviously not down with this.
1: Super racist.
0: Yeah. So he's like, you gotta leave.
1: And then you have the two guys who like come to start a fight. And I, I love Payton going like, well, this doesn't seem fair. And Emmett's like, which way? <laughs> um, because it was definitely now, not. Kicks everyone's ass.
0: <laughs> it's, So satisfying because you're like, oh, you're going to get teamed up on, but you get the best of them.
1: They don't know who they're fucking with.
0: No, they really don't.
1: Enter John Cleese's sheriff. Uh, John Cleese doing such a great little like comedic asshole. Um, Here's another point where it's like show don't tell Mm -hmm. on Emmett's character, right? Because the owner of the establishment's like mal-started it. And the sheriff is like, is this true? And Emmett's immediately like, nope, we saw the whole thing. I will tell you exactly what happened. Like,
0: and I love that the proprietor, like owner person has a reputation that the sheriff knows. And is like, don't, don't push your luck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But he still does kick Mal out because his whole thing is like there. I just want zero trouble in my town.
0: Yeah. This is like in middle school where they punish the whole class for like two people doing bullshit. It's, Bullshit. The
1: law is never like the good guy in this one, which I think is an interesting subversion of like the old school classic Western tropes where you have the good sheriff, your quote unquote white hat. We'll come back to that. And then you have the bad guy, which is like your outlaw, your symbol of like chaos going against law and order and like the taming of the wilderness, who is your quote unquote black hat. But
0: what happens when they're the same person? (laughs) We'll
1: come back to it. Um, but you have the subversion of that in this one, where you, your people who are kind of on the outside, or you know, previously were outlaws in some cases, with like Payden and Emmett, who've both done jail time. Like, yeah. they're they're clearly our good guys. The law is, at best, ineffectual.
0: <laughs> I don't want to get into it now, but but if I don't get into it when we talk about Mal going to the ruins of the farm with his dad, I do want to bring that back up about the law because there's some stuff there.
1: Absolutely. Um, I, the shot of Mal right before he leaves, turning back and drinking his shot of whiskey. Yeah,
0: that defiance. That's oh, so
1: satisfying. And the cinematography there, how it goes up close on the mm-hmm. shot and we follow it up to him as he like takes it. It's great. Love it.
0: So that does lead to John Cleese's sheriff character talking to Emmett and Payden about why they're there. And this is where they describe a person. And John Cleese is like, I think I know who you're talking about. Cut to jail. Like beautiful editing right there. (laughs)
1: Oh, so good. And we have Jake's intro. I want to talk about the casting of Kevin Costner as Scott Glenn's younger brother because it's perfect. They look like they could be related.
0: Well, and then also Kevin Costner's performance in this first bit in the jail cell, you can tell he is just this energetic, can't contain himself sort of like younger sibling. He is literally climbing on the bars of the jail cell. Like, it's so good.
1: (laughs) Uh, Later, we see him like hiding under the bunk, like Mm -hmm. the bottom bunk, which comes back later that like Jake is a little bit of like an acrobat.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And a weirdo. (laughs) And the way they shoot through this scene. So they love a well-framed shot through bars or fences or things like that. And it never gets old.
1: Well, and it's so interesting how incredibly well all of these smaller cramped spaces are filmed and the big wide expanses are also gorgeous. Like Bailey's just mastering it all. Yeah,
0: It's masterful, as you said. (laughs) So, uh, we get some comedic exchanges about how, of course, it was I just kissed a girl. Yeah. It's all it's I did never, was kiss it, a girl. Never just that.
1: <laughs> and I love the, the, um, is that the guy you shot? No, I just winged him. Um, but then there was the guy with the shotgun. Which one was that? The dead one.
0: <laughs> it's, it's darkly funny, but I'm here for dark humor. Yeah. Um, so,
1: well, and then Emmett telling Jake, Lion Pete always said you'd hang. Oh. And I love the at dawn, and he's like, no, 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 10 o'clock. Well, I thought that was. Oh, it.
0: Oh, see, I thought the at dawn thing was like a ruse to signal to Jake that was when he was getting sprung. So I loved that touch.
1: <laughs> it, it, it was, but it also is a nod to like the old cliche, which I even then like when John Cleese corrects Emmett. And it's like, oh, I thought they always just did it at dawn.
0: It's a funny self-aware nod. Yeah. So we we do get that exchange that you mentioned earlier that I think you wanted to delve into between Payden and Emmett about Payden's like, I'm out of this. And see, I personally interpreted that as Payden being like, no, I have turned a leaf. I am going to play straight by the law. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't want to get involved with this.
1: I think you're right. But I think there is also an element of selfishness to it where I think he is trying to turn over a new leaf. But I think also Payden just like, like, he doesn't he doesn't want to be involved. Like, he doesn't... It's not laziness, but, like, he he would just rather be out of it. And there's a little bit of selfishness there, I feel, just because Emmett has backed him up so frequently, and we see it happen immediately again, right? Well, and you said, like, he's like, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm not going to be involved with springing your brother from the jail. But the minute they walk into that saloon and he sees the guy with his gun and hat, Peyton's ready to fight. And Emmett, even though Payton just said... I'm not going to help you spring your brother from jail. Emmett immediately is ready to back Peyton up. So I just, I think that that's just some wonderful character there. And with, you know, Peyton being a little selfish and so not wanting to be involved so much of the time. Because like Emmett's the one who immediately jumps Mm -hmm. to Mal's defense. Peyton backs Emmett up in that moment, but that's not really a risk for Peyton. And he's not the first one to, you know, step up it gives us somewhere to go with his character at the end.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll take it. I don't think that it is a
1: I don't think you're wrong. Selfish I just think thing, it's though. I think it's, you know, depends on how you read it and I think it's just a very I I just think there's a lot of complexity there.
0: Yeah. It's like he, he will back you up once you're friends, but they're like not quite friends at this point.
1: Well, you never know what Peyton's going to care about.
0: Well, that's true. Very true. Um, I do want to also like call out the impeccable cinematography, blocking and frame composition in that discussion. Because the way that they're moving both Payden and Emmett through that scene keeps your interest. You get a very typical like theatrical technique where the, the looming figure tends to be the one more quote, in power in the discussion and the way that they trade off throughout that entire scene is amazing. So the, the technical aspects of that were just impe- impeccable.
1: And just like the performances there, like both those actors are just so easy. Yeah. Like I they make acting look effortless.
0: Oh, such a joy to watch. Amazing. Um,
1: Cut to the saloon, talk about more great cinematography and editing with the exchange between Peyton and the guy who's got his hat and his gun and then we get to see once again don't fuck with Peyton. oh yeah
0: because you're gonna die
1: <laughs> yeah and then the shot of just the hat spinning on the ground and coming to rest
0: and then cut immediately to <laughs> Peyton to Peyton pushed Peyton getting pushed self.
1: into jail <laughs> and i love the um pain in the foreground going you're making a mistake and jake's just that's what i told them okay the
0: way that jake like Love Jake. It, it, it invalidates like that entire line of uh reasoning from Peyton. It's so funny. Cause like that's what I said. I mean, yeah, same here too. Like it was all of that yeah. it was self-defense. The other guy shot yeah. first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I also loved in the saloon how everybody readied their gun as soon as it got like a little bit dicey, which is like such Everyone a Everyone fun... clears the poker yeah. table. It was... oh, it's
1: it's such a cliche setup but I love it mm-hmm. at
0: the moment. Mm-hmm.
1: So the next morning we have our jailbreak. First off, I want to know Lion Pete's backstory because Jakes picks the lock on the cell being like, Lion Pete always did this. Like, I want to know Lion Pete's He'd story. He'd be interesting.
0: Now, the other thing about that scene was John Cleese's character playing chess with himself, but sort of with his like deputy, like turning yeah. the board at each turn. And you get a scene later with the deputy, like looking at, I think it was a knight or something, and being like, "What is this? Where does this go?" Clearly, and it,
1: <laughs> clearly not the brightest.
0: Again, such a good characterization of John Cleese's character as being pompous and uh, self-important,
1: <laughs> and and so funny. I feel like all of the com- there's actually quite a bit of comedy in this, and I feel like it's always chuckle funny.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like, it, it never detracts from what's going on. It never feels out of place. Like, you feel like this is just some idiosyncrasy that, like, somebody really had. Yeah. But we get the sheriff called away. You hear the door in the back open. The deputy goes to check it out, and there's just Payton standing there, seemingly. Yeah. With an open cell door. And I love how he's like, yeah, he, he left." He just left. <laughs> He just left.
0: But because we've already set up this deputy as not being the brightest uh, bulb in the bunch, uh, <laughs> it's believable still.
1: Yeah, well, and he calls Payden over. He's convinced Jake is under the cot, which would be plausible. Handcuffs Payden through the bars of the uh, cell, and then you have the shot of just the foot coming down. And uh, Peyton punching the guy through the cell, it turns out uh, he and Jake did the one. (laughs) They're both just tucked under the same coat.
0: Not stacked, just tucked.
1: Yeah, just (laughs) tucked. Uh, So it's actually, I think, Jake's hands that got handcuffed through the bars and then Peyton was able to punch. But I just. It's great. It's so funny.
0: And so here is where things start to get a little bit crazy because it is revealed that the gallows are on fire. And all of a sudden, everybody in this town is real ready for a gunfight, which that was hilarious to me. Because, one, you're going to break out your own glass window on the frontier just to take a shot out of it. You couldn't have just opened it. Like, come on.
1: That (laughs) shot always gets me because it is the guy, like, clearly just busting out his own window in the middle of winter. And you're. (laughs) you're Why? "Why He's
0: in his pajamas, too, like his nightgown.
1: Why do you care so much about this? But I do. We have some more great comedy. We have some more like character building with like Jake and Peyton because Jake's got his fancy two gun uh-huh. rig on. Also, Jake's costume. Jake looks ridiculous.
0: He does. He's, he's like the Western equivalent of a dandy. Like, it's great.
1: <laughs> it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect for his character. Um, but he comes out of the jail and he's like playing with his guns, spinning them, like very flashy. And he has that really loud, really goofy laugh, and Payne just going shh, and shushing him. And then, of course, when they're walking down the street, and you have the guy come out with the, uh, the shotgun, shotgun or the rifle, yeah. and like shoots at them. And then you have Jake with both guns, like hit, like shooting at the stairs, and basically like put walking that guy back mm-hmm. in, inside. And then that just ends, and Payne just going
0: shh. <laughs> the absurdity of it all—it's great, it's so good, but. They do escape on their horses, but with a posse chasing led by Mr. John Cleese and his friends. The The way that that is shot and edited together is so dynamic, like the way they vary up. Um, the, the one that really struck me was they kind of have this shot looking from above straight down on a path where first the three on their horses ride by, followed by the much larger posse of folks in contrasted with like the shot at the river where they're fording and then you finally kind of get out in the wilderness more. It's just the way they pulled it together and they do this a whole bunch where they take things that to again, compare it to dances with wolves that you would see kind of like a transition-y sort of scene that was just not engaging. Like it was pretty to look at, but didn't hold your attention. They do in almost every single no, in every single like transitionary sort of scene like that, or traveling type scene,
1: they're very dynamic. Like we don't get a lot of static shots,
0: and when you do, they're pretty enough. You don't care, and <laughs>
1: or or like it's a static shot on a hat doing like a yeah. crazy little spin or it's something. It's
0: very deliberate, like that. So we get a reappearance of Mal, which
1: <laughs> coming to the rescue, yeah. uh, shooting at the posse from the rocks. I love. The line where someone's like, "He's not hitting anything," and Linkston, the sheriff, goes, "You idiot! He's hit everything he's aimed
0: at." Uh, I made a note because of that too. Because
1: the, sh- oh, the sheriff realizes, like, this guy is such a great shot. He is. He's like purposely not trying to hit us. He is trying to warn us off, mm-hmm. and he's like shooting off Linkston's hat. He like I think shoots like a twig off of a branch. Like it's it's very very skilled shooting. Yeah.
0: And you end with the beautiful line from John Cleese about today, my jurisdiction ends here because <laughs> he's like, I'm not chasing, I'm not chasing him. It's great. He, he is nothing. If not a self self preservationist. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, and uh, that's a character that never comes back. It's a small side character. We have a complete picture of who that person is. Oh yeah.
0: And it's, I mean, they're not his problem. So he doesn't care. They're gone.
1: Right. He just, he- He doesn't want trouble in his town. Trouble left.
0: The scene where the three, like Peyton and Jake and Emmett meet Mal is great. And the way that they shoot it with Mal up high looking down and just smiling at him and just you can tell like the gang is together. And they cement that with the scene of the four of them riding side by side across this like little plateau, which was the first time, I think for me that I was really like, oh my God, the cinematography here, the way that you were able to capture that amazing blue sky in contrast with all of the painted colors of the mountains in the background. It's just gorgeous country captured perfectly.
1: That is a very magnificent seven shot.
0: So they ride off and they do find the caravan that we ran into earlier with the reveal. Mm-hmm.
1: I do like... A lot of stuff in this movie happens. But like, so it's kind of like you almost have these little vignettes or segments, but they're all set up perfectly. Like they don't seem random. Like, you know, if we met our wagon train earlier, mm-hmm. like all of this is going to be like a thread throughout, um, which I think is is really cool and like thoughtful the way that they build that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like how in the past, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Dances with Wolves too, where like individual exchanges were written really well but the overall construction of the story eh. in this you get both
1: i think we just struggled to understand like motivation Mm. and it there didn't seem to be like clear stakes that ran throughout the movie like you might have stakes for like a handful of scenes but then it would get resolved and like at this point in Silverado, we still don't know who the mystery people who went after Emmet were. Um, we clearly have something that's going to be brewing with Cobb. Like, we there are storylines here that are still going. We also have such a clear sense of our main four. Yeah. And like their motivations and what drives them. And
0: that's what I love about this, is it's overlapping stakes. So, like, yes, Peyton's stakes are kinda lower now like he found his hat he found his horse he's got his guns he's been driven out so like why not go to Silverado for Cobb so like he's a low grade
1: Mal's going to go see his family Mm -hmm. Emmett and Jake are gonna go see their family there like there there are reasons that they're going we still have a couple mysteries out there for us to solve even their motivations for why they're helping this caravan
0: groundwork laid back in Turley. Like it, it's...
1: Right. Well, you have you have Mal. You see Mal specifically as seeing like the kids. Um, and so you can tell for him, it's the idea of like these people got robbed and therefore they like that was all their money. They have nothing to start this new life. That clearly resonates with Mal. Oh,
0: and you have Hannah. That's the biggest thing for me where it's like...
1: <laughs> you have Peyton seeing uh, uh, Roseanne Arquette's character. Is that Hannah? Yes. You were saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, and clearly, like we've already established, Peyton likes women, and then you have Emmett being like, just you know, he's gonna help and do what's right, and then of course Jake is just enthusiastic about everything because <laughs> Mal's like, I'll go, I'll go retrieve the money for you, and Jake's like, I'll go too. Yeah. Um, and then I like that Emmett's like, no, 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 Jake, you stay. <laughs> I'll go. He's being very big brother. Yes. Um, I as elder siblings, I'm sure we both relate. Um, I do like the line of, um, how do we know we can trust you and you won't run off with the money, too? And Emmett just going, well, if we do, you can keep my brother. <laughs> Cut to Jake just kind of looking around, like, wait, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, Jake's, again, not the smartest and it's clear, but he makes up for it in heart. We love that. Yeah, he's a goofball.
1: Kevin is so good in that. Like, I just... Oh, he's he's so good comedically.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, Hannah's uh, husband is very suspicious and is like, I'm going with. And we get this wonderful line about, hey, if I brought a pretty woman out here, I wouldn't leave her for too long. And of course, Payden's like, oh, you make a good point. I'm going to stay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe I should stay with her. And Emmett's like, you... I love the Emmett's just eye it The
0: whole time. But they do... Run after Baxter and Holly. Um,
1: this scene oh, is so funny. so funny, and it's so and again like we've had multiple fights. I mean, it, this is a little bit of a heist in mm-hmm. the same way that like breaking uh, Jake out of jail and Peyton out of jail was a little bit of a heist, but they are completely different. They shot differently, and who scouted like, this location?
0: Because it is the perfect outlaw hideout in this like valley thing it's
1: the cliche it's very butch and cassidy or butch cassidy and the sundance kid not butch Cassidy.
0: yeah i know what you mean
1: it's very butch cassidy and the sundance kid butch and cassidy sundance we'll edit edit that so i sound like i know what i'm saying
0: no and it also like i've been playing outer worlds a lot lately which i know i'm really late to the game but it's they use some of those western tropes kind of in a, a like space setting as well with these like hideouts i love it
1: the two best genres to blend are sci-fi and western
0: it's so true star wars
1: is a space western
0: yes yes i love it
1: uh that anyway.
0: explains my love of that movie and that's why i like outer worlds so plug for that actually really good storytelling in that game sad but good <laughs> um anyway we back were to texting the movie. <laughs> about this morning
1: right after we were texting about how payden can get it <laughs>
0: yes something about that energy um
1: Kevin Kline's a sexy cowboy. Yeah. Sorry, back to the movie. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so this ruse that they have cooked up is brilliant. So they're going to have Mal and the random husband dude, who I think is nameless. Anyway, up in the hills. We don't care about him. But... Hayden is just laid over this horse. Emmett runs in. Like, like he's
1: dead? Uh, yes. yes.
0: And P- Emmett runs in like scared for his life. Like, oh my God, the posse is coming. And the incredulity of Holly and Baxter or whoever the leader was about the fact that someone would lead a posse to their hideout.
1: Yes. The guy who <laughs> sounds a little bit like John Wayne. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Hilarious. I love that you have Emmett just clearly making up names. He's like, I'm Tex LaRue and like, ma, so-and-so told me about this hideout. I hope you don't mind. <laughs>
0: How presumptuous. Like of course they mind.
1: And just Emmett being like, there's a whole posse up there. I like that the leader of the outlaws is like, no, no, no. I think there's just a couple guys up there and this asshole's one of them. <laughs> he
0: like, called it. Then
1: Emmett just being like, yeah, I, he did. But then Emmett just being like, we got to get to those horses right. and
0: run. Okay. But again, the commitment to the ruse by Mal shooting after him. And uh, to and his again, credit. And
1: again, what a great shot Mal yes. is. And I love the moment where, because we see it like kicking up right behind the dirt, kicking up right behind Emmett's heels. And I love the moment where Emmett turns around and looks up, like,
0: dude, get a little close there, dude. <laughs> it's great. But they start but again.
1: A- and again, we're getting character and like comedy mm-hmm. in these fights. And it's like all stuff that is vindicated later. Yeah.
0: It's uh, just, oh, it makes me so happy. Um, So they start a horse stampede, but. Uh with some rope tied around the money box. Because of course Peyton is Payden not dead.
1: Use it as a distraction. Exactly. Uh when he rides out and those guys are following him and the money box just like takes yeah. out seven dudes.
0: <laughs> that was funny. That was some like Mario Kart bullshit right there. It's like the um, banana. They all hit it. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: blue shell. Um I, I love when they get up to the top. I love that like Emmett, Payton, and Mal are like laughing their asses off because like it was a ridiculous plan. And it, and it worked. <laughs> and it was great. And then you have Mr. Wet Blanket, Killjoy, over here being like, oh, I knew you'd stick, you steal the money as like Payton just goes to tie the box onto a horse. Yeah. And I love Mal. Again, Mal with the best lines. Mr., you got a lot to learn about people. Yeah. And then Wet Blanket Dude gets shot. But then you immediately have the our main three turn around and like shoot the guy that shot mm-hmm. him, like in sync, all quick draws, mm-hmm. and of course like they are a unit now. Yeah,
0: I will say like while I'm glad that the person who killed the mood was killed, I'm not sure I'm glad they were killed. But it, it just, just means it was that kind we get that
1: weird love triangle for <laughs> sprinkled throughout. That's like
0: not really developed. Like that's that is again the one thing that I, I just wish they had cut it all the way.
1: I think they cut stuff for time, and I also wish they had cut it all. I think there are a couple points that they left in for other plot reasons that just like (laughs) happen to also have the love story in the scene, which is why it's still there. But
0: yeah, I mean, honestly, I think he
1: could have done more. I totally. That's my one complaint.
0: Yeah, same here. And I I honestly think it's so fast paced and so much happens. I wouldn't have minded an extra. 10 to 15 minutes of development on that storyline because you'd still be under two and a half hours of runtime and i think it could have worked but i i don't think they hit the right balance of cutting like they didn't cut enough but they cut too much
1: but yes i would agree so that at points you're like hang yeah, on, yeah
0: yeah but anyway my minor gripe very minor gripe <laughs> <laughs> um so they do make it back to the caravan with the money um some beautiful shots of them riding back in um but they do make it to to silverado i did find the parting ways scene kind of sad it was like okay they'll,
1: they'll come back together yeah man. but do Wait, we know I kinda that? like this segment though <laughs> <laughs> one of us did um i i do kind of like that we've like seen this group of friends happen. And then I like that they disperse and they do like overlap and run into each other and stuff. But I like that everyone's kind of following their own thread a little bit Mm -hmm. because
0: it doesn't make it feel contrived.
1: It doesn't feel contrived that they come together at the end. Everyone again has good motivation and stakes for why they go, they participate in the big final shootout. And it's all of these threads that are different and unique but all tie back to the same villain.
0: Yes. The web.
1: McKendrick.
0: Mm-hmm. Which for some reason, I keep calling the McClintock, but that's like not right.
1: <laughs> I, okay. I wonder if it, it is McKendrick after McClintock because McClintock is a John Wayne Western. movie. Uh, that
0: would make sense. Anyway. <laughs> now, I, Mal going off and being like, I need to go through that notch. I was kind of like, Mal. That notch, that of all of the notches, is the one that you must go through. How do you know this? But it's fine.
1: Unlike us, Mal has a sense of direction.
0: Apparently. <laughs> we we did get a little bit of a scene between Payden and uh, Hannah that I think, again, was oh, we supposed to. Yeah, we really don't. Don't worry about it. Um,
1: well, should we talk first about Mal's arrival? Oh.
0: Yes. Let's start with Mal. So he comes a, a, upon the farm. And it is overrun by cattle and the homestead uh, is just in ruins like, gone.
1: clearly burned.
0: So clear something weird happened. He is not pleased about it, but his dad does come and find him, found him because of the the light of the fire he he lit. And this I think gets into some um going back to the commentary about the law being ineffectual at best. Like
1: I mean in Silverado it's straight up
0: corrupt. Oh yeah, for sure.
1: I was just saying, like, over the course of the movie, like the least bad law enforcement you see is just ineffectual. Most of it is
0: corrupt. Well, and see, I thought this was like a larger commentary on the frontier and potentially on like general in law race. enforcement and how I it interacts race with race. Too. Exactly. Cause yeah, it's like, absolutely,
1: because his, as, uh, Mal's dad says, like, uh, it's the same as it was back in Georgia. Exactly.
0: Cause he's not allowed to be on his land. Cause he's driven off by the, um, I'm going to,
1: McKendrick's McKendrick's
0: i keep calling them the McClintocks in my head i need to stop
1: <laughs> you can um i'll just correct you but uh yeah the the big uh mckendrick's like the big rancher in the area and um mal once again has one of the best lines where he says that ain't right i had enough of what ain't right yeah now it's it's so good it
0: really is now, another gripe that I do have with this movie is like oh, I'm torn because the storyline around Mal and his family, I think does open the door for some of this commentary and examination of that sort of things, but also, it's kind of a stereotype that the the black family is the one with the most tragedy, like his mom is dead, his sister is gone, his dad dies, they were run off their land so like i'm I kind of go back and forth with that being um like using race in a way that is like very stereotypical, but they do add some commentary to it. So
1: I think that's a valid criticism though, because Emma and Jake's family get like their sister and her family get attacked, but they all survive. Yeah.
0: It's like they fridged his mom and dad. And now he has, that's why he's motivated. And I think that's doesn't when we, do when mal we establish justice. His
1: sister, his sister Ray is in town. I love Ray. Oh my
0: God. Ray's the best.
1: Ray is great, um, but but your I I think that's a valid criticism for sure.
0: It was also made in the eighties, so uh, again, like ov- stepping it, stuff. it is. But I, overall, its treatment of of race in this is so much better than most of the films that we've seen. So like it it is something they could have done better, but I wouldn't necessarily say that this was like bad.
1: Right. Um. We also establish that it turns out the uh, bit of trouble with the law that Emmett had and the reason he was in jail was because he killed the current McKendrick's father Mm. because that guy was going to kill Jake. And now. So further establishing again that like family is so important to Emmett, but it's, again, a separate thread leading back to our same villain.
0: Mm hmm. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And
1: at this point, I don't think we've met McKendrick. And we, like, way to establish him, and we've ar- we have already we yeah, him.
0: Yeah, we just see his, his greasy henchman is really mm-hmm. all we get for this first bit. So that was Miles' homecoming. Emmett's homecoming, like, chills. Chills on the side of my face. Like, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that horrible pun. <laughs> like... With them shooting kind of perpendicular to the porch where you see the mountains snow-capped in the background, with Emmett hugging his sister and all the emotion, like, it just, again, I'm getting chills thinking about it, like, so good.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. Uh, we get the idea of their family dynamic. Um, And then now let's talk about Peyton and let's talk about the introduction of Stella. Oh,
0: My favorite Linda. Again, Linda Hunt is my favorite and her is Stella is just perfect.
1: She is fantastic. Her and Kevin Klein have such a great chemistry. I love the relationship between Peyton and Stella. I think the character of, I, both those characters are so great. I think the character of Stella is also like a very unique character mm-hmm. that like you just don't see super often, especially in a Western. So she's the one who runs like the saloon side of the saloon. Uh, the Midnight Star.
0: Stella. Uh, I like th-
1: <laughs> and I like that Payne's like, oh, so you're the Midnight Star. And he does like little kiss on her hand. Oh my gosh. really cute. And her
0: line about we're always there, but we shine at night. Like she's some of the best yeah. lines.
1: Uh, and she delivers them. Beautifully, uh, we see her little uh, because Linda Hunt is very, very mm-hmm. short. I actually don't know how tall she is. How tall is she?
0: I'm gonna guess f- four six. Oh, I underestimated four nine.
1: She's four nine, but very, very short. So they show um, her walking behind the bar and like coming up to Peyton's eye line, and then you he like looks over the bar and she's got like a little ramp. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: But the line there about um, life is what you make of it, my friend, if it doesn't fit, make alterations like it's it's the perfect summarization of her character. Like,
1: yeah. And it immediately I think that's what endears her to Peyton mm -hmm. is I, I think it's that just immediate like, oh, here's someone who like probably has had it pretty rough. Similar to Peyton and has, like, come through the other side and kind of has this same, like, slightly laissez-faire attitude and, like, clearly likes to party. Mm -hmm. Um, So, anyway, I just, I love, I love the two of them. I love those two characters. I love that there's, like, this instant friendship that happens. Oh,
0: for sure. And this is where we do get some of these, like, orbiting characters coming back together. So, uh, Stella's talking about how she really doesn't like running the saloon with this no-good, skimming, cheating, greasy Kelly. partner, Kelly. Who um,
1: runs the gambling.
0: But the owner has stuck her with this, And in the background, we get Mr. Cobb walking in, which there is a comment about, how are you talking to Stella? Oh, luck, I guess. Which I think that came out of Payden's mouth, I believe. And that's just a glorious continuation of that, like, oh, there's some luck involved. I'm along for the ride. This time, he was not yeah. happy about it. <laughs> and you could well, tell.
1: And Cobb's like, oh, are you back to, like, pay me back the $13 I loaned you for, like, clothes and shit? (laughs) Um, And then he's like, well, if you want a job, uh, and Payton's like, or you hear about the job, and Payton's like, well, you didn't tell me you owned a saloon. And he's like, oh, it's better than that. Reveals Sheriff's badge. Now, here's where I want to talk about the costuming and the subversion of Western cliches. Cobb, our Sheriff, is in a white hat and a white waistcoat classic good guy attire Mm -hmm. for a Western, especially like the old black and white ones, like right, like white hat, black hat. He is the law. He is supposed to be the order. If we're going by like the old school Western cliches, he should be our good guy. We know for a fact he is not our good guy. We know he is our bad guy. So it's the appearance of like law and goodness, Mm -hmm. but actually underneath he's our villain. Peyton is in our black hat hayden is our unwilling hero and i just love the nod to the cliche but the complete subversion of Mm -hmm. it it's uh, brilliance
0: it's a delight
1: i was losing my shit last night when i like realized that (laughs) that's the first time that's like actually hit for me with the white hat black hat and i was like absolutely losing my shit yeah
0: I I do remember having the thought that oh it's weird Payden's in like this jet black hat but I hadn't like fully connected those dots so yeah it's clear that Cobb wants to offer Payden a job so next morning you may have Emmett and Payden drinking which taking a page out of our book great (laughs) there's like some
1: weird allusion to the love story but we don't yeah it's fine
0: don't worry about it um and Cobb comes in and calls Kelly over which his line about this is just Great! It's like I wanted you to be here while you I offered be here your job.
1: Offer paid in your job.
0: <laughs> it is so good. Such a
1: villain, and delivered with like so much confidence and like sleaze. Mm-hmm. I oh, again, where is this man's best right after Oscar? And then
0: he ticks the box by throwing him through the swinging doors at the front of the saloon. Throws Kelly. That is so. It. It's just yeah. uh, oh. And then
1: you have the moment where Kelly is going to shoot Cobb. And the way that's like set up with the shots so that like we can Mm -hmm. see everything is brilliant. And you have Stella being like, Kelly, don't, he'll kill you. Cobb turns around, kills Kelly. As Stella leaves to go check on Kelly, Cobb going, Stella, thanks for warning me. And her just stopping, but not turning around and heading out.
0: Linda Hunt's physicality in this is just over the moon. Or should I say over yes. the star? Um,
1: what a villain moment! I oh.
0: it oh and then we see outside. She is like she didn't much like Kelly, but she also so doesn't she exactly. And so she's the, down there and giving us all the face that we need to show how disappointed she is. But there's like this slightly hardened frontier veil on as well. Ugh, Linda Hunt you're great um,
1: oh, and then uh we have slick jeff goldblum's character arriving oh, playing in perfectly massive on type. Fur coat <laughs> that makes his head look teeny tiny
0: uh and i
1: think i had a conversation with somebody one time about how like jeff goldblum has a small head
0: well in that coat for sure uh
1: <laughs> I, I think the coat exacerbates it anyway but
0: i love that his name is slick and he is the sleaziest slimiest son of a bitch
1: when he introduces himself to Mal later, he says my mother calls me slick. And you're like, that's how you know he's an ass. Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Um but anyway, he uh is like, where can I who can I talk to about like running an honest game as a gambler? And cops like points to Peyton and I love Emmett. Uh you used to like ride with this dude.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, at least he's kind of like, well, yeah, but mm, decisions.
1: I just Kevin Klein's reactions to Cobb tell you everything. Oh
0: yeah. It he wears that on his sleeve as much as I think he thinks he's stoic. Uh,
1: but it but it's like per it's perfect. Like it, we as an audience get everything we mm-hmm. need to know from it.
0: So interspersed with this we've also come back to Mal a couple times. And so um his dad is like going to get some water but ends up being ambushed and ultimately killed by some of mccormick hendrick's man Uh, there i'm i'm gonna start calling mccormick too because apparently they need to give me some paprika but um sorry but
1: go real go with those steak smells uh, gonna curve up if he finds more cattle on his land really
0: good line there um but again, the way that this was shot was so good, and the way that they set the characters in the frame to like show that power, and they get this is not the only time they've used like a low shot to, to show everybody in the frame. That's kind of stagey, but in such a great way.
1: And it's uh, Joe Seneca playing Ezra Johnson, the dad, and he's so good.
0: Mm-hmm. But they're they need to be apparently run off, and of course Ezra's like no, I'm already run off my land. I'm not leaving any further. Um, And so they fridge him, which like I said earlier,
1: he he lies and says that Mal, he lies and says that Mal went to town. Mm -hmm.
0: But the Um, way they cut to Mal being awoken by the shot and then knowing immediately what happened, he's like, ah, shit. Um, Yeah. And And
1: then we have him going into town to see Ray. Ray is one of the workers at the saloon. Um, She is buddy, buddy with Slick. For now. Who for now?
0: <laughs>
1: when uh Slick uh introduced himself to Mal, I love how Mal immediately is like, fuck this oh, yeah. guy.
0: But the lines exchanged between Ray and Mal are just scathing. Like
1: I think I I like the the complexity of their relationship and then how it changes because initially he's like, you know, mom and dad are dead, like all we have is each other. Like, we're family, and she's... I like when she says, like, I used to have a brother. Like, she's like, no, like, you weren't here for us mm-hmm. when we needed you. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm on my own. Uh, which, of course, then we get to see that, like, when it really counts, those two are absolutely there mm-hmm. for each other.
0: Such a good development of their relationship. Mm-hmm. So...
1: Both of them, so good.
0: For sure. So the the last thread kind of in this... Uh, or I should say last domino maybe that is set up in this sequence. This is
1: this is our like setup to our 30 minute final shootout.
0: <laughs> I love yeah. I love that they hell yeah. they pulled it off. Anyway, um it's the uh, Emmett and Jake, which did we ever get a last name for them? I don't think so. Anyway, the brothers um we come to find out, like you mentioned earlier that Jake apparently shot the elder McKendrick. They say
1: No. Emmett shot the elder McKendrick.
0: Oh, see, I thought. Who was going to shoot. Jacob. Oh, that's right. That's actually very important. Um, but apparently the horse is a McKendrick horse, which is so important. Because if you remember back to the very first scene where Emmett was just jumped out of nowhere, guess who did it? A McKendrick.
1: McKendrick. Or McKendrick's men. hmm um yeah uh there's that reveal uh we get to actually like meet Mackenzie. we get a little bit Uh, of fun
0: stuff with uh, aggie Aggie, and jake trying to jump on the horse which is just kind of cute and like jake is such a fun uncle
1: and just establishing that jake is like really good with horses Mm -hmm.
0: so important because that comes so important
1: uh we get the second all i did was kiss the girl (laughs) When uh, Jake apparently uh, is having a thing with the saloon worker that Tyree, yeah,
0: has that been is for Phoebe a very tense scene in the saloon, like the second second thing there,
1: and again goes back to that animosity between Tyree and Payton mm-hmm. because in this instance Peyton's now working at the saloon under Cobb, and you can tell Peyton's starting to get a little fed up, like he's not willing to straight up do anything yet. But there's the moment where you have the standoff between Tyree and Jake, and you got Phoebe in the middle of them, Mm -hmm. and uh, you have uh, Stella trying to kind of like calm down the situation. We had the really cute scene with Stella and Peyton previously about like they have the the good good stuff. stuff. Here's to the good stuff. Hope
0: it lasts. Um, Never say that. Don't say that. Don't put that in the universe.
1: You have Peyton coming out. I I love how like you know we've established that Jake is such a goofball, but there is that moment where Peyton's like, "Jake, you should you should go," and Jake goes, "What are you afraid I couldn't take those two behind me?" And so you're like, he's kind of a goofball, but also like don't fuck with him. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you have Phoebe start to leave. Tyree pushes her, and that's when Peyton pulls Tyree's pistol out of his holster from behind him, and is like. Calm the fuck down or get out of my saloon. Um, Jake leaves, things start to settle, but then you have uh, Tyree being like, I'm going to kill you one day. And Peyton hands him the pistol. Why not today? And why not today? Tyree puts it up under Peyton's chin and just like Peyton just being like not batting an eye.
0: Yeah. So it's. Good. We haven't really explicitly talked about it, but the way that they ratchet up the base level of tension in the second half of this is beautiful. And it's through these little vignettes in um, places like this, where it's like clear that, okay, Cobb and Peyton are somewhat like, okay, like uneasily. Okay. But like the underlings, not okay with Payton. So like just, I'm on the edge of my seat already and I'm about to like close to falling off by the end of this sequence, so.
1: (laughs) Well, and then I think right there is where we have, we actually get the story of the dog. Uh,
0: I think it was, this This is, there's a a bunch of jumping around between the different characters here. We're keeping them together so that it's easier to talk through kind of the arcs. Um, But I think this is a separate, separate like little vignette where Cobb is talking with, um, Stella Emmett. And, and Emmett. And Emmett. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's Stella and Emmett. And he tells, finally tells the story of the dog. Um, and it's, you know, alluded to that they were outlaws at the time because they had, uh, some locals breathing down their necks as they were, uh, you know, doing a hot exit <laughs> from a town. And it's, uh, the old crew, which includes like Cobb, Payton, and Tyree. And there was this dog that had been following them around and some of them had been feeding the dog. So it like continued to follow them as they're leaving the dog. Gets tangled up in Tyree's horse. So Tyree, quote, being Tyree, shoots the dog. So again, with this story, we are establishing Peyton as a character. We're learning a lot about Cobb as a character. We are also learning about Tyree as a character. Um, But Peyton jumps down off the horse, is like holding the dog, and they leave Peyton, and Peyton gets arrested. And uh, I love when Cobb's like, uh, you know what the best part is? Peyton never even liked that damn dog. But the point of the story is you're never going to know yeah. what Peyton might care about. And if Peyton cares about something, he will do whatever it takes to defend that something. Which is um, I do like the bit of humor with the, uh, it worked out in the end. I went to jail, but the dog sprung me.
0: <laughs> that was some funny, funny exchanges. But I do also love, 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 love. That the end of the scene is Cobb asking Payton to do nothing, because as you just mentioned, he will do everything if he cares. So, yeah, call that Domino number and three. I think
1: that says that says so much too about Payton. I mean, we've seen how capable Payton is, but he's been very reluctant to be involved. So you're almost like, what would Payton do if he chose to be involved? And Cobb is scared of him. Like, all Cobb needs is for him to do nothing. He's like, I'm going to ask nothing yeah. from you. I want you to mm-hmm. do nothing. Like, like Payton is the biggest threat to Cobb. And he's such a sinister, good, slimy villain that he has not tried to, like, kill Payton. He has tried to be like, I'm going to make it easy for you to not be involved up until this point. He's like, I'm going to make it more appealing to you to not help your friends. Yeah.
0: Mm. So.
1: So sinister.
0: Let's see. So shit starts to really hit the fan after this. So <clears throat> we get a. Uh, I.
1: This is what I would consider like the prelude to the final battle. So we have Emmett out practicing shooting. Uh, we have the really cool shots of him shooting the needles off of a cactus.
0: Oh, I thought he was missing but it was needles no, off of he's the cactus? shooting the
1: needles off of the cactus. Oh, damn. Ian, our heroes don't miss.
0: Well, Mal doesn't miss.
1: You idiot. He hit everything he was aiming at. <laughs>
0: yeah, but that wasn't Emmett shooting them then.
1: <laughs> Ian, none of our four miss.
0: <laughs> okay, they, have, they just have aimbot on all the time. All of
1: our bad guys went to the Stormtrooper Academy of Marksmanship. Our good guys be good <laughs> at
0: shooting. <laughs> the Stormtrooper Academy. <laughs> so true.
1: Anyway... Emmett gets ambushed um by Tyree and a couple of goons. They lasso him and then run him over
0: with a goddamn horse. Run him like, over with
1: a horse, which which comes mm, back at the oh, yeah. end in beautiful parallel. Um he is saved once again by Mal. Mal is always saving him. Oh
0: my god. And the shot of Mal up on the hill overlooking the folks in the foreground is mind blowing.
1: The best line in the entire movie, one of the best lines in cinema history, as far as I'm concerned, is that is when one of the guys like looks like he's going to pull a gun and Mal goes, I don't want to kill you and you don't want to be dead. Glorious. So badass. So badass. Um, then we get some more like good, funny editing where one of them's like, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe we should try it. Immediately cut to are three bad guys walking down the dusty path no horses one of them holding a hand to the mouth shot
0: yeah it's
1: and the the score doesn't quite get like derpy but it kind of like it plays dunks into on the them like, a little bit <laughs> it dunks the score dunks for sure i just i love that moment i think it's a gr- it's great like with the dialogue the tension and then the comedy with the editing
0: yeah so now we get this super tense nighttime s- sequence mm-hmm. of scenes. Well,
1: Mal takes Emmett and is like kind of hiding him away, gets confirmation that one of the rifles Jake and Emmett took, um, they, there was like a small altercation at like some sort of party with the settlers and Emmett and Jake like defend them. And like kill oh yeah. And we confirm that those were McKendrick's that. men and that McKen and it's like confirmation that McKendrick's men were the ones who killed mel's father
0: yeah so like now literally everybody has a very strong anti-mckendrick like chip on their shoulder
1: well Hayden doesn't yet mm, yet he may not like mckendrick yeah but he doesn't have a reason to go after McKendrick but this yet. nighttime
0: scene is going to solve that problem um <laughs> so th-
1: uh, we get confirmation that mckendrick or that Cobb is on mckendrick's payroll He's like, solve this issue. Yeah. And God's like, oh, fine.
0: fine. He doesn't want to get involved. He's to be
1: such a cushy job.
0: <laughs> um, but we do know that uh, Mal is working on helping Emmett keep Jake safe, keep his family safe. But that leads to Emmett getting beaten and arrested after he's been sold no. out by Sl- no, no, no. Sl- Slick.
1: It leads to Mal getting beaten and arrested. Oh, that's um, what I meant. I'm sorry, because Emmett is like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Emmett's, recovering in a cave because he was also beaten yes (laughs) with a horse. It Mal needs to get word to Jake. Mal is also wanted by McKendrick's men. So he goes to Ray for help. Ray's not happy, but she will help him and she's the one who pulls in Slick.
0: Mm -hmm. Bad uh, plan.
1: Who's supposed to get the message to well at this point in the movie, I don't know if you remember like first time you watched it or if you had forgotten that Slick was bad. At this time, I remember the first time I watched it, like, I didn't know if Slick was bad.
0: Yeah, he seems. Because there
1: is a shot in the altercation with Jake and Tyree, there's a shot of Slick kind of reaching for a knife Mm -hmm. in his boot, and you don't know whose side he's on.
0: True. And I.
1: Like, you don't know who he's ready to back up.
0: Yeah. I do. I did remember that he turned against the good posse, but also, like, if you were to watch this for the first time he is pretty ambiguous and th- one of those characters that is like rich and cares about himself and money more than anything else for the most part so at, at least that's how i read his kind of archetype right. um
1: so we don't like initially you don't know if ray bringing in slick is a bad yeah. move or not uh turns out it is because slick uh is like oh yeah jake said he'd meet you by the church Mal walks back there and then you've got Cobb being a total yeah
0: asshole. and then Poor Mal getting beaten and put in jail. But we do see Jake doing acrobatics in the barn with uh, Phoebe. Quote, unquote, acrobatics. (laughs) Well, literal and figurative. Um, (laughs) And figurative.
1: Um, So we know he's not there. Right. So we know he's not there. Again, with the editing with Mal, though, is because Cobb is like, hey, tell us where Emmett is and you can go. Like, just leave town. We know Mal didn't because the immediate it cuts to him in jail with a black eye.
0: Yeah, yeah. Such great editing there. We do get a visit from um, Hayden in that scene. And this is like building towards Hayden needing to get involved. So you can tell that Mal is fucking fed up with Hayden's like sit on the sidelines bullshit.
1: And again with one of the best lines from Mal. oh that he gets like there's so much good dialogue in this movie. Mal gets the best dialogue cuz Peyton says, "Why are they doing this, Mal?" and Mal says, "Cuz they enjoy it." Yeah. Like basically saying there's no good Peyton, reason. There is no out. Like you can't you can't reason. It's not going to just stop. It's going to the the evil's going to continue because these people are evil. Yeah. Like they do bad things because they want to do bad things
0: simplest simplistic view but i'm here for it because like it it gives into the inevitability of like everybody needing to get involved
1: well and i feel like there's enough complexity into like that concept of evil right like it isn't like oh they're just a bad person and they want to hurt people it's like it's all based on money
0: yeah yeah it's
1: based on money and land and greed and power and like stuff that drives people to do bad things
0: i love it um uh, in the scene as well we see jake returning to his aunt's house and this is where that whole family the shot
1: of jake in the doorway and then you just see the pistol with the, the, and the piece in. of
0: pie i'm like that is such a jake thing to just pick up the pie and eat it with sands um but this is where the land office gets ultimately burned down now the way that they filmed this and blocked it again amazing uh,
1: jake and emmett's brother-in-law is like the one who runs mm-hmm. the land office it's in their home yeah and
0: so they are mckendrick's men are of course holding them up because i i presume i'm reading between the lines here that they want the land records gone so that they can stake a claim to all of the pasture land for their cows i think
1: it's i think it's like multi-purpose right like you're getting jake and emmett out of the picture who are like the real threat to the mckendricks mm-hmm. and who have already kind of acknowledge or at least emmett has acknowledged like i know you came after me watch your fucking back yeah um and i i feel like with the shot of the land records because there's the shot of the land records right before they set the house on fire specifically to burn the land records i feel like that's like part b Mm. of the situation it's like a nice
0: ancillary benefit not right like it's
1: it's still important but i feel like the main reason they're there is to like take out jake and emmett
0: and ultimately, Augie sees who they are and thus is taken with. So stakes much higher. Um, I think through the chaos with all of this fire, we get a wonderful uh, like snippet of Stella rallying the troops and being like, you do this, you do this, being like commander, um, as well as the, the bucket brigade trying to put out the fire, but ultimately failing.
1: And this is where Peyton starts to be like, I I can't sit on the sidelines. He has a confrontation with Cobb, and he's the
0: way that this is lit with the fire in the background, and Cobb walking up with that just raging. Oh. With just the
1: fire. Oh, and the fire is always over Cobb's mm-hmm. shoulder in every moment after that shot. Oh, this is the kind of visual symbolism yes. that I love. He'll burn it to the ground. Um, Oh, he will burn everything to the ground. And he has the audacity
0: to bring Stella in. He's like
1: Peyton. Well, first he's like Peyton, you're not going to do anything, right? And Peyton's like, stuff has changed. Uh,
0: They took the boy.
1: They took the boy, and like that's kind of the the final straw for Peyton. I think, or it's going to be the final straw for Peyton. It's why he's confronting Cobb and basically being like, this needs to stop. And then Cobb goes a step too far. And threatens Stella. And and I think that's the moment where I think that's the moment where Peyton is like, I can't. Like he's like, I can't get involved now. Like I, it, we've switched from him not wanting to get involved to wanting to get involved, but now there's something else in his way. Yeah, and I think that's where his his final form of hatred for Cobb develops.
0: Oh, and the way Cobb delivers some of these lines, like. When Peyton asks, like, what does Stella have to do with this? Cobb's like, not a thing, just a mutual friend. Like, okay, come on. Um, And that leads to two separate. uh, So uh, again, the way that this is edited is super, super dynamic. Keeps your um, attention as well as make sure that you understand like all of the different threads as they're woven together. But
1: we've seen Emmett trying to get up in the cave. He's fallen down. We also see Ray now knows that Mal is in... Jail. We see. Oh, sh- Speaking of slick, Ray is so slick. She steals slick's dagger.
0: Yeah, because she knows that slick sold out Mal and like.
1: Because Phoebe Phoebe confirmed oh, it for too. sure. Yeah,
0: um, and she goes to visit Mal, and this is where we get a setup where the uh, deputy is about to like assault. He's being Ray <laughs> But we get the beautiful stab in the back, where she's like.
1: Because she, well, she slipped the knife to Mal. She,
0: she, shoot, she stabs.
1: No, she, oh, she stabs yeah. the deputy first. She he saves herself. Her. I
0: loved that part, but.
1: Well, he shoots her. And then Mal, I forget how, but gets his hand on the knife. Yeah. And throws it and stabs the deputy. Lots
0: of stuff happens in that scene, but Mal does escape yeah. ultimately from jail. Um,
1: He, he escapes, um, gets race. I think into like a back room of the saloon mm-hmm. or something, you have Phoebe going to get Stella just in tears and is like, come um, help. I like when Stella's like, stop crying, go get the doctor. We're going to move her to the so shed. Practical. She gets Payton to help move uh, Ray. The scene right before Phoebe comes and gets her. Though. And
0: there are actually two between Stella and Peyton that are kind of like cut in here. The first one is where Peyton's like starting to kind of hint At the fact that things have changed and now I want to get involved because of that. But the way that you see on Stella's face, the realization that she's like, I think I'm the reason. What it starts
1: off as is he's sitting there drinking and Stella approaches and she's like, Cobb must have something really big on you for you to be standing by and not doing anything about this. And Peyton's like, how do you know that's not just the kind of person I am that like I abandoned my friends like this. And Stella's like, ha, good try. No, no. Like, I, I know who you are. That's not who you are. And then the realization of, uh, I, Peyton's basically like, he, I, he doesn't say it this up front, but like, cop threatened someone I care about. And then Stella has the realization that like cop threatened her. Yeah.
0: And she has the, in the second kind of uh, short scene there. It's the
1: beautiful reaction that happens on mm-hmm. Linda Hunt's face.
0: And then the line about, like, good people are getting hurt because of me. Because
1: of me. And I don't like it. And then I think there's... That's where I don't she's interrupted. When they're at the table. Mm-hmm. Or if it's after they've, like, moved Ray and she's, like, telling Peyton... Basically gives Peyton, like, permission of, like, don't worry about me. I'll be safe. Because um, she says, uh, Cobb can't hurt me if he's dead.
0: Oh, see, that, that was... I took that more is that as really? her. I can't remember no, it's you're you're in the, the right like time of the the movie, but okay. I took that more as her challenging, uh, Payden to like do something about it.
1: I mean, I think she is, and I think she's saying like, I like this. This is bad, and if I'm the thing holding you back, like, he can't hurt me if he's dead. He can't yeah. hurt anyone if he's dead. Like, mm. Do something. It's a beautiful moment
0: it's so beautiful so um i do want to briefly touch on the i'm not going to call it resurrection but um regeneration of Emmett, the respawn of Emmett. i don't know how to call this <laughs> um but he's been uh you know convalescing in the caves um but Mal comes back to He's get him. got his
1: head wrapped, mm-hmm. his wound on his head wrapped.
0: But it's clear now, like, okay, they got to go get his nephew back. The
1: I love the, the moment where Mal goes, Emmett, Emmet, they took the boy. And that's when Emmett takes off the bandage. Yeah. Tosses it on the ground. I'm and like, then we have the shots of people grabbing ropes of bullets and pistols. Oh, my and God. We have... The
0: double wielding of the rifle shot with Mal is my favorite. <laughs>
1: Yes. when it's like, do you want, do you need one of these holding up a pistol? And then cut to Mal, shot from below. He's got the like two uh, bullet belts uh, crossed yeah. over his chest, Henry rifle in each arm. And he goes, I'm good. Oh,
0: or so like great. But it's so good. Now, not how a traumatic brain injury works, but I'm willing to suspend belief for this moment uh, because it's so good. I, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so I think the next big Um, Like the rest of the movie is pretty much like continual shootout. Gunfight. Yeah.
1: But it happens in stages. And I'm I the only other Western that's coming to mind that I think does a fight similar to this where it's really long and you kind of have like people going up against their like own individual Mm -hmm. big bad And that like occurs kind of in stages like this was the harder they fall does like a really good like that. The end fight of that movie reminded me so much of Silverado because it is like paced well and it doesn't drag and they do like really inventive stuff with it. But we start with the McKendrick. Yes.
0: And the tension in the quiet around this ranch, as you see all of the henchmen nervously looking out the window, we nervously see somebody patrolling. wearing
1: Jake's guns.
0: Mm-hmm. Key thing there. But the low rumble of the stampede comes in. Of course, we get a stampede. Why would they not give us a stampede? a
1: stampede. But I love that they're, it's it's our good guys using the stampede, like using the cattle of this his the villain's own cattle against him.
0: It's perfect. And such a... Like great way to create a distraction so that they can get in there and start picking people off, because they do. And I don't think we can in any way do the editing and the directing and the acting in this scene justice just by talking about it. The stunt work for sure, because you get like actual acrobatics and falls, and like it's very much a nod to like the old style stunt works, but is is so dynamic. Um
1: there is the shot of the guy like getting trampled and you can tell he's clearly like far back yeah. and like kind of like hamming it up a little bit but it is like an old style uh-huh. <laughs> western stunt. I love it.
0: This um, This
1: movie's not graphic. There's a lot of fights and like shootouts mm-hmm. and a lot of people die but it's not graphic. No,
0: not at all. Um But I think for for the most part there the one like exchange that I want to focus more most on is Emmett with his nephew after having rescued his nephew talking about Jake.
1: When I want to talk about a couple things that happen because you have people fighting in different areas, right? So Emmett goes into the main house mm-hmm. and the way the score changes. Ah,
0: yeah, like all of a sudden you're when in the quiet. he steps into the
1: house. Yeah, and then him, of course, rescuing Augie. Um, and then you have the exchange where he's asking about jake and augie is like jake got away and he was he riding, fell off his horse he fell off his horse off a cliff Did you see and i just face? love the yeah <laughs> emma's like jake fell off a horse no <laughs> and then just a little smile cut to payden penned down in the barn by some guys and we just have jake up here <laughs> yeah
0: it's he's like From where ceiling. were you playing dead uh I love, well, I
1: love that you just hear you hear the like overdone like punch sounds mm-hmm. that clearly indicate Jake knocked out the guy who was wearing his guns and then he comes out. He's like got his gun belt on. And he's like, hey,
0: <laughs> again, sound and like film editing here. Just super- yeah. so good. So good. Um
1: we get some great shoulder roll. Payton has mm-hmm. the really iconic shoulder roll. They to shoot.
0: Ultimately, Mal's,
1: Mal's up on a roof picking people off. You have got the Payton the moment saving of
0: the guy, Mal, like which is really the great. Eye patch
1: dude, because we can see Mal on a roof and we see Eye dude creeping across uh-huh. the roof toward Mal and like Payton trying to shout at Mal. Mal not noticing, so Payton shoots the chimney next to him. And I love Mal like turning his rifle immediately sees it's Payton and is like what? And Payton's like look. Like, gesturing, like, look behind you. (laughs) Because that's the guy who killed Mal's dad.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. So So he gets that revenge. Everybody gets
1: to kill the person that they need to Mm.
0: kill. It's glorious.
1: Perfectly paired, even to, like, the minor characters.
0: So they do rescue the nephew. The nephew gets the chance to jump down onto the horse and succeed, which was so, so good. Um, and then we, we ride back to Silverado. Sh- short exchange about last one to the Midnight Star has to buy, uh, which I think is hilarious. And the wh- huge shot of them just riding up to the And city then like
1: riding the town. separate ways mm-hmm. as they start to break off, clearly in some sort of grand strategy. Now... Setting up into this thing. So we've had this, like, we had the quiet before the storm at the ranch. And then we had, like, the big shootout. We get another little bit of quiet before the storm in the town. Um,
0: Yeah, we release some of that tension by going to Stella and Ray. Oh, sorry.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, we have Stella and Ray. Um, We have Slick sees Stella come out of the shed Mm -hmm. and goes... And finds Ray, which I have to say, shed not the okay, best. Okay, legitimately, there was
0: like case. a brief... I would check there. Right? And there was this brief exchange between Cobb and Slick earlier about how, oh, we can't find them anywhere. And I'm like, you didn't check the shed. You didn't the check shed. the shed. I'll suspend, like, again, I love this movie enough that I'll, I will yeah, allow su- it. I'll but suspend a
1: little disbelief. I'll protest. <laughs> Same. Uh, Slick has his Derringer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, and it's like the very... he's. It's like very menacingly kind to Ray. It's
0: Ray knows, but she is so weak after yes. being shot that she just can't do anything about it. And I'm so worried for Stella because if Stella comes back, she's shot.
1: I know. I, well, but like great acting from Lynn Whitfield in that moment who plays Ray. Um, we have Cobb discovering that Mal has broken out of the jail and I love his just sigh And being like, man, I'm running out of deputies.
0: Okay, the fact that I still laughed at that, even though he's such a like slimy character, is so so good. good.
1: I mean, like, you can't. Here's the thing: Um, Cobb is despicable. You can't deny he's a badass.
0: Oh, agreed. Agreed.
1: He's got the great one-liners. He, it's, oh, that's such a good moment, though. Uh, you have the guy setting out the nice china at the general
0: Okay, <laughs> store. I'm actually kind of mad that they didn't come back to that, because I was like, I want okay, all of no. this to break.
1: <laughs> but you know it did. You know it did. And the shot, though, it's the guy setting up the china, and then in the reflection of the window, you can see Cobb and his mm-hmm. deputies filing out of the jail, and it's... Love it. Yeah, it's just such a good visual gag.
0: So we get three, no, four, four, three, four distinct. Four. We scenes. start
1: with Jake. We start with Jake riding into town, screaming, "He's back!" Yeah.
0: So I'm like very subtle, but Tyree and one of the other deputies, like, essentially, I don't know, it's not they chase him, Jake but they track the him saloon. into the saloon.
1: Yeah, he he kicks the door open. Ian. <laughs> um, Tyree and the other deputy track him into the saloon. They get into the saloon. Uh, there's a moment where one of them has gone around back and then comes through the door. And it's like, a, not a jump scare, there's but a like little. a little like, They're building oh,
0: tension again um, here. Again, with the way that they it's cut.
1: beautifully built tension. And the way that
0: they're filming kind of on these weird angles. And it's like dark and it's, it's great. Well yeah. constructed.
1: And we saw Jake jump behind the bar. But we don't know where he is. And so they exit the saloon. And then they split up on the porch around the saloon. We see Jake slide out from under Stella's little ramp. The behind most the
0: floor. satisfying reveal. <laughs> so,
1: but like set up so well because you have the ramp with Stella, which is like kind of a fun part of her character and in her introduction to Peyton. You have the funny stuff with Peyton and Jake in the jail. So we've like already established like Jake. Jake will just crawl under shit. Yeah. <laughs> but it, so perfect. He comes out of the saloon door. I love how he sees both people both ways. He's got both of his guns. He gets ready to draw and then just goes, hey, and then shoots them both. Kevin Costner definitely was aiming at their feet.
0: Don't worry about it. He hit hit that foot artery, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, that
0: foot artery. They bled out instantly. Um.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's why Tyree's holding his chest when he dies. Uh, But Jake gets to kill Tyree. Ah, who's the one who he had the altercation Mm -hmm.
0: with. So that is one of our interactions. Um, Next interaction I want to talk about is Mal. So Mm -hmm. we know that Slick is hiding with Ray. So like I am, we're scared. Mal also doesn't know at this point that Slick is a turncoat. So
1: I think I think Mal does know, but there it's like Mal knows, but there from Slick's point of view, there is a chance Mal wouldn't know.
0: Oh, see, I don't think Mal knows it. Oh: I
1: think Mal does know. I think that's why he's ready for him with the knife.
0: Oh, I thought he was just that good. Um.
1: <laughs> he's also that good. but I, I think because I, I feel like he's purposely baiting Slick when he walks into the shed. And Slick, but it's very obvious that, like, Ray is distressed that Slick oh, is
0: yeah. there. But the, the reason um, that I don't... Slick
1: kind of does a, like, oh, she was hurt and I was going to help her. I feel like Mal is baiting Slick when he lays down, sets down the rifle. Oh,
0: see, I thought that indicated that he didn't think that Slick was...
1: I think that's what Slick thinks. Mm. And I think that's what they're maybe trying to get us as an audience to think of being like, oh, no, now Mal doesn't have his rifle. And we know Slick has a Derringer that's, like, shoved up his sleeve. I think, from a character standpoint, that Mal was baiting Slick. Oh,
0: and this is why I like this, because the like machinations in this particular scene are just endless. Um,
1: We know Mal likes a crazy plan. He does. He's the one who planned the, the money heist.
0: But of course we know, after seeing Mal's character introduction, that Slick is doomed. um, Because, like, no, no way are you going to overpower Mal. And...
1: Derringer pops out, Mal turns around, and stabs him with his own knife. Ah,
0: such a beautiful end. Because, like, reached for his knife, and he's like, were you looking for this? <laughs> <laughs> and it was Ray that stole it for him. Like, it was and just no so good. no one
1: delivers, like, an intimidation line the way Danny Glover does. Yeah, no.
0: Just no. <sighs> All right, so that is second of our gang to get their, like, Phil yeah.
1: Now let's talk about Emmett. Oof.
0: We have him going up.
1: The way the camera tracks him riding his horse through the town, like, it, it's like the camera's be- behind the buildings, So, like, the buildings are between the camera and Emmett. So we just, like, see him, like, popping up in the spaces between buildings. Mm. But I love it.
0: It's, it's again the tension it's like a standoff so um mckendrick sees him shoots at him and of course emmett like rides back toward him so they're on a horse chase in the middle of the the town i love the close-ups well, McKendrick shoots on. emmett's rifle
1: so the rifle doesn't work yeah so now emmett now has his pistol
0: but he still like gets close because again emmett's a, a crack shot even with a head injury um but the way they filmed the horse chase that ensued after I loved because it was looked kind of like that old style projection screen in the background sort of thing where they would like have close up on the top of them bouncing on the horse and then close up on the horse's feet so just like the construction of those different scenes was like such a beautiful nod to again the the western genre as a whole it comes to a head when uh, they Emmett rides. McKendrick in, shoots
1: Emmett in the thigh. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And he drops his pistol. So Emmett is weaponless now.
0: But he has, I'm not sure if he planned this, but I don't care. He rides into this kind of stably thing where he's able to get up on a platform. And that's maybe, you know, five feet high, something like that. Of course, McKendrick is is riding in pursuit. But what McKendrick doesn't know is that Emmett is about to ride out from that platform his horse is going to kick the shit out of McKendrick's head and McKendrick crumbles dead.
1: Which again, the poetic justice of one, Emmett's the one who gets to kill McKendrick.
0: Also by a After horse. After McKendrick came,
1: we open. I know, <laughs> we opened with McKendrick trying to kill Emmett. The horse is what led Emmett to McKendrick. And then of course, McKendrick's men tried to kill Emmett with a horse. So that's how mm. Emmett kills McKendrick. Like it's just the perfect the poetic justice is amazing and again it's so different from a gunfight like we, we've had we had uh jake do the double shot we've had mel use like do the knife we've had Emmett use a horse and then now we are about to get our classic like shoot off in the middle of the street one-on-one duel our one two three draw like The quintessential Western Yes.
0: Now, the way it opens with Cobb casually polishing his Sheriff's Star on the porch with the plane in the background. Again.
1: We see multiple tumbleweeds.
0: it's, It's just like so calm and you can tell that he is like going toward his death. He knows it. We know it. It's assured at this point. We
1: hope it. But I, I just the calm confidence. God, Cobb versus Payton.
0: Yeah. Well, and the fact so good it is, and the thing about this too is Cobb is not getting his hands dirty with any of this. He is just sitting and watching things play out, so he's able to just like calmly walk up the street a little bit.
1: I think he knows Payton's going to come for oh, yeah. him though. You have Peyton calmly walking into the street and walking down. Cobb just comes off the porch to meet him. Stella appears, and I love that moment of her being like basically assuring Peyton that she's fine.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so important. Um,
1: we have some more really good symbolism. So we had Cobb our white hat. We have Peyton in our black hat, subverting those expectations behind Peyton during all of these shots of their duel is the town and specifically the church because Payton is on the side of righteousness. He is there for the town. He is here for the people behind Cobb. We have the open expanse of wilderness because despite being the sheriff, he is there for chaos and like fear and the unknown and like the wilderness, the old school Wild West.
0: Well, and despite his best efforts... There's nothing left. It's an expanse of nothing. Like your entire posse is gone.
1: He hasn't built anything. He's only destroyed. Mm. Love it. Oh, So good. And then just the shots between them and then the close ups
0: on the guns at their waists.
1: It's such a classic shot. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen High Noon in so long and I actually don't know if I ever saw all of it. But I'm pretty sure that's like mm. an exact shot from the movie. Behind. Well,
0: and they're breaking that. What is the one film convention about not crossing the uh, dividing line in a scene? But we don't the perfect time to do it, in my opinion, because you just have this nod yes. or you get to see him. Ah, it's so good.
1: And then the dialogue between the two delivered with perfection with Cobb's what a waste and Peyton's just bad luck, I guess.
0: Mm. Um, Bad luck for (laughs) who?
1: Goodbye, Cobb. Goodbye, Peyton. Draw. Peyton gets the shot first. Of course. Mm.
0: Loved it so much.
1: Perfect. The perfect ending.
0: So, the aftermath they're wrapping everything up. Most people are leaving. So we, we see not only are Emmett and Jake's uh, aunt and uncle and nephew leaving.
1: You mean their sister? Oh, shit. Husband. You're
0: right. I'm sorry. Sister and brother-in-law <laughs> are leaving in the wagon. Of course. I would leave, too, if my house I think had been they're burned just, down. I don't
1: think they're leaving. I think they're just seeing them off.
0: Oh, I thought they were leaving with them to go somewhere. Like to California. No, because no. oh.
1: at one point, Jake and Emmett ride off by themselves. Uh, that's right. We see Ray and Mal together in the wagon. Having made up. They're gonna go to the farm.
0: Yeah. Now, I, I do kind of like that um, for Ray, there's always a subtle nod to the fact that uh she is a woman of the night in this, but never any judgment about it.
1: I it's not explicit. It's like kind of implied that she may engage in sex work, but
0: I'm not it's, it's not explicit. She it's, she it's heavily implied the at least.
1: Well, but like being like working on a saloon, not necessarily. It's it's when you see Slick come out of her apartment. Yeah, like that's that's the, the one like, it. But I don't know. Maybe she's maybe she's just hooking up with Slick. Yeah, that's
0: true. It, it could be. But they've made up, and of course, we see payden and they're like, "You want to come with?" And he's like, "Nah, I have a job." pulls back his coat and it's the shiniest sheriff star of the whole movie on his chest
1: you never know what payden's gonna care about and apparently he cares about the town of silverado
0: Uh, and we're left with Emmett and jake riding off into the the distance uh, it's great this
1: movie's so good
0: i love it well, thank you for making it with us through this extremely long episode. There's so it's much long. that <laughs> happens in this so short movie.
1: <laughs> it's well, it's not that short. It's over two hours. But, it's like two fifteen or something. Yeah,
0: but it. This is the kind of stuff that I would have hoped would have happened across three hours in Dances of Wolves. Like,
1: same. I could write a thesis on this movie. It's great,
0: and it's not just because you've watched it seventy-two times, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Might be part of it. I, I mean, it's re- it's really good. It's really fun. I would encourage people to watch it. As of the time of recording, it's on Netflix, mm-hmm. but I think it's about to go off Netflix soon. So, I don't know. I mean... Find it. Watch it. It's delightful. Yeah. It, it really is just so much fun.
0: And it's worth a repeat watch. Like, I didn't watch it on Netflix, partially because I just canceled my Netflix subscription because there's not much there for me anymore. Uh, but... I, uh, I also decided that it was worth buying, so I did. Uh, oh,
1: I own it. I own it on DVD.
0: Mm, old, old <laughs> from, ish like, school. Old school.
1: <laughs> yeah, I own it from the old. I days. was like,
0: "You sure it's not on VHS or a uh, video disc? No.
1: Nope. <laughs> I I'm sure we had it on VHS. You
0: know, I was thinking we
1: had so many VHS. I mean,
0: I think we still do. Like, my I don't think my parents got rid of those when they moved, but
1: I think they finally got. I think we got rid of them after the house fire. Yeah.
0: You know, I was thinking I don't think this would be an easy movie to cut down to a 4 by 3 format like at all. They one thing we didn't you like need quit, didn't quite manage or sorry. One thing that we didn't quite mention in this whole thing is they love their to place their like subjects in the extreme extents of the frame and like it serves the wide open expanse so well even in some of the smaller like uh individual scenes between like Stella and Peyton like they had them on the extremes but it just works so well and how how would you cut that down to no you have you
1: have to have widescreen for this
0: don't don't do the full screen version if it's even an option anymore but it shouldn't be Yeah, so highly recommend it. I completely second what you said about the Western for people who don't think they like Western slash have not really been into that because I know this wasn't the first one you introduced me to, but it was near one of the first. It was an early one. And it definitely cemented kind of my liking of it. And it's just a testament to the fact that it is a love letter. And like, okay, because you love it so much and have made such a beautiful film, like, okay, Lawrence Kasdan, I will also... (laughs)
1: Well, if you are a fan of Westerns and you just haven't seen this one, like definitely watch it because one, it's fun. But two, like you'll recognize like the shots and the illusions and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So solid. Do recommend.
1: Cool. I think that wraps up Silverado for us. Thank you again for listening and for being patient as I, you know, gather my bravery to cover Silence of <laughs> the lamps. Um until then, I think that's going to be the next one that we're going to do. I know I have a bit of travel coming up, so our next episode might be a little bit delayed. Um, but until then, you can find us on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on both Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com if there's something more long form. Rate, subscribe, review, all of that
0: thanks again for listening and of course uh join us next time in uh i don't know two three four weeks something like that for maggie's favorite film that we're going to cover A silence of the lambs
1: oh, i hope we haven't overhyped this with my fear <laughs>